No, I'm serious. Don't laugh. I'm serious. I'm going to give you a second to think about it, um, about what you're going to say. This only works if everybody does it, okay? And I told you last week, I said the difference between trials and temptations is that you don't really have any control over the trials in your life. Trials are things that just, bam, show up. There they are. They're not things you've planned for necessarily. But I also told you that, in my humble opinion, the early stage of a temptation, it can be considered a trial. But when you act on a temptation, it's no longer a trial, it's a choice. And typically it's a choice that when seen all the way through to the end, that choice will bring trials on the people around you and on the, on the ones that you love as a consequence for your choice. Now, there's some rules to this whole shouting out thing. You're not allowed to look around either. You just look straight ahead, all eyes up here, and, and you have to shout out loud. You can't mumble. There's no mumbling allowed on this. All right, have you been thinking about it? Are you ready? All right, here we go. On three, one, two, hold on. I know this could be difficult because you guys are still looking at me like, is he serious? Does he really want? Yes, I really want you to do this. We're going to make it easier on you. Go ahead, turn off all the lights. That way nobody can see, okay? And don't look around real quick to see who's sitting beside you. Just, just let the lights come down. There we go. You see, now you can't really see. Just everybody up here. All eyes forward, no looking around. Is everybody ready? I, I'm not serious. You have to do this. It's for real this time. Or just throw out your temptation, whatever it is. Now, here we go. On three, two, one. Wow. That, that is awesome. Um, I don't know what you heard down there, but up here it sounded like, blah, wah, wah, ho, woo, uh, But doesn't it feel good? You got that out of your system. There's, there's no more secrets this morning. And because it's out, now we, confront, we can confront the temptation head on because you guys were brave enough to set it free in this room and let it run around. And that's what's happening right now. You just shouted it out and all these things just kind of bouncing around in the walls. And I think with all this temptation running around, we should probably start off with prayer. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you. I thank you that, that we trust one another enough uh, to shout out a temptation. I thank you that we trust you enough that as we shout it out, we know that you have the power to help us overcome that temptation. I pray, Lord, that as we, we kind of took a lighthearted look right off the bat, but I know each and every person in this room, I know people listening online, I know that they struggle with things. We are all tempted by something. I pray that today, Lord, you will show us how we can experience you through temptation, how we can come out of, come through a temptation and honor you and, and, and just be a better reflection of you as we face temptation. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. James chapter 1 is where we're at, as I said earlier, specifically in verse 13 through 18. That's where we're going to kind of camp out today. Um, and I want to read that to you, starting with verse 12, actually. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Verse 13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. We're going to stop at verse 16 for a minute. Because here's the thing. Satan wants you to believe that it's okay to give in to temptation. Satan comes along behind us or beside us. He whispers things to us. Things like, who will know? It's going to be okay. 
Just this once. Where's the harm? You're just having a little fun. It's no big deal. Surely, surely you will not die. He does this with these little temptations. And there, there are sometimes little or no consequences when we give in to little temptations. But the problem is, when we buy into these, these lies on the little temptations, we will soon find ourselves giving in to the bigger temptations. We all know someone, personally or famous, who has lied and lost all their reputation. I bet if we did another one, a little shout-out, I could say, on three, shout-out somebody that you know that has lied and given out and, and has ruined their reputation. Everybody would be able to name somebody, famous or, or personal. Uh, we may know or hear about that flirty person who, who crossed the lines and lost their marriage. Or, or someone who gave in to the temptation of gossip and lost their best friend. You see, temptations promise good things. But in the end, they always fail to deliver. The Bible is full of people who gave in to temptation and lost everything. But there are also many stories of people, men and women both, who resisted temptation. And so the question I want to answer today is, what did they do or what did they know that we don't? What do they know about temptation and about God where they could resist temptation? How were they able to experience God through the pressures of temptation? And I also looked in and I saw that James was right. God doesn't tempt us. Instead, he provides a way for us to resist temptation and to escape its harm. So what's it going to be? Just one more bite and you'll put the fork down? One more cigarette, you'll quit smoking. One more drink and you'll, you'll quit for real this time. One more login to your favorite less than average website and you'll never go back again. Thank you. The problem with one more is there will always be one more something. We have to draw those lines. I talked about this a little a while back when we talked about self-control. The problem with one more is there will always be one more something. And as we continually give in to those temptations of one more, we're really just laying groundwork for Satan to come in and get comfortable. I've come up with six things about temptation that I want to share with you today. And then there's also come up on the, on the back side of this, I've come up with three things that I want to share with you on how we can resist temptation and experience God through it. So if you're taking notes, the first one is this. Temptation always promises you some kind of gain. Temptation promises you some kind of gain. There, there's always some kind of an appeal in temptation. That's kind of what makes it tempting. See? The pressure comes from this appeal. And a lot of times it's characterized by what the temptation promises. The gain, it may just be something that promises fun. Oh, this will be fun. Go do it. It may be the high that comes with it. It may be a promised money, a financial gain, a promised pleasure, an adventure, a position maybe at a job. It may be an appeased palate. One more slice of pie. Go ahead. It may be that it promises a release. You're all this stress and all these things going on in your life and you're just going to, I just need to do this so I can have a release. The reality is that the grass of temptation will always appear to be greener than anything else around you. The next thing, temptation promises you won't get hurt. Temptation is a liar. Temptation promises you won't get hurt. You can get away with it. Nobody will know. It's not even that wrong. It's just a, it's a little off. It's not a whole lot off. Go ahead. You won't get burned like the others. You're smarter than they were. You're different. You're, you're stronger. You can handle it. Let me make this very clear. Being tempted is not wrong. But giving in to temptation is. Temptation promises that you will be better off after you indulge, but the reality is you won't. 
James tells us two truths. If you're writing these down, this is part of the six that I was talking about. The first one, so it would actually be number three. But the first truth that James tells us is temptation promises you gain. Second, temptation promises you won't get hurt. And the third one is temptation is inevitable, but not irresistible. Temptation is inevitable, but not irresistible. That's what James says. It's not a matter of if you will be tempted as, as a Christian. It's a matter of when you are tempted. And temptation comes to all of us. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, we read about where temptation came to Jesus. And just so you know, temptation even comes to your church leadership, to your elders and your preacher and the staff. Nobody is, is, is immune to temptation. It comes to us just as surely as it comes to anybody else. Number four, temptation never comes from God. He lacks nothing. He needs nothing. No evil, no evil offer appeals to God. That's, that's, that's the unique thing about God. And he doesn't tempt us because he is good, he is loving, and he is righteous. And because of that, he cannot and will not pressure us to do anything con- contrary to his character. James, four, James chapter 1, verses 14 through 15 says this, Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. You see, temptation is unique for every person. Temptation comes when each, each, when each of us is carried off by our own desires. They're unique to you. What may tempt you may not tempt me. What may tempt me may not tempt you. Some people are easily tempted to react in anger to a situation. Other people never get mad. Some people are tempted by sexual opportunities. Other people stay away. Some people are tempted to engage in gluttony or other excesses while other people can just walk away from another helping. We face some temptations that people around us don't face. You see, because temptation also follows a predictable process. In James chapter chapter 1, verse 14 through 15, I think this, this process of temptation can kind of be illustrated with fishing. You got your guy, he's out in his boat. He takes his fishing pole, throws it out there. He's fishing. That was the, the hitting the, yeah, you know. He's fishing. <laughs> dangling, dangling the bait out there in front of a bass, unsuspecting bass, minding his own business, hanging out under his log. And then all of a sudden it's there and he, the desire weakens. Oh, He swims away from the safety of his log. He swallows the bait. He's no longer in control. He's pulled against against his will toward the boat, into the net, into the cooler, then off to the taxidermist, and then on the wall if he's big enough. How about you? What bait is used on you? Because James says that when we are tempted, we get carried away, we get enticed. We have desires, maybe even God-given desires for food and sex and approval and shelter and love and power and friendship These are not bad in themselves, but fulfilling them in wrong ways is deadly. When we leave the safety and the shelter of God's provision, we take Satan's bait. And then sin conceives in us, and it entangles us, and we suffer. You guys who were here last week, do you remember the water balloon in slow motion video? We're going to bring that back into action for a second, because there's that point where right there, and, and, and so... It's no longer about trials. Today, that represents temptations. And, um, and what happens is, when we allow ourselves to be tempted, 
it gets all wrapped around us and we can't see what's going on. When, when, when we take Satan's bait, we're like this guy. This water balloon is wrapped all around our face. We can't see anything else. We can't see the effects of our temptation on our family. We can't see the effects on our friends. We don't even really see it at our jobs sometimes. I've, I've seen and been with people where temptation has cost them their jobs and they don't even see it until it's over. It's like we have blinders on. We fall into temptation. We allow ourselves to go into temptation. Then we lose our rationale. We have no desire for accountability. We think we can beat it on our own, but we can't. I've got somebody here today, and he's going to share with you what it's like to kind of live through what I've talked about. He's got some real insight, some real wisdom. Come on up. Uh, and and he's, he's experienced God through temptation. Some of you know him. Some of you don't. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Matt Boardman. Come on up, Matt. Welcome him, please. Thanks, John. Yep. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Matt Boardman. Um, my family, it's, it's good to be back. Um, my family came to this church for a long time, and, um, you know, they moved away. And um, John asked me to come up here and, and tell me to tell you guys a little bit about my story. Um, and I'm not going to be extremely graphic because I don't want to. I don't want anybody to be frightened or uh, be pitied uh, to have pity on me or anything like that. Because you know, like I said, I made like John said, I made these choices. Um, at the age of 12, I started drinking alcohol. Um, by high school, I was doing uh, all different types of drugs. Um, I even came here uh, not in the right state of, uh, state of mind. Um, and it was, uh, it, I thought I was controlling it. I, I thought that, you know, this is what um, I needed to do because I, I felt different. I, I felt like uh, everyone at school got a book on how to walk, talk, and act. And I was sick the day, the, the day they gave that book out at school. You know, I, I didn't know how to study properly. I didn't know how to make good grades. I didn't know how to make friends. I didn't know how to talk to girls. I didn't know how to uh, read right, pray right, or, or do anything right. You know, I, 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 was, I was completely different. Um, and, uh, and, and so I was a drug addict to, to, the, to the max. You know, I was using every day um, because that's what I needed to do because I didn't like reality. You know, it pained me to be me. It was, there was a pain inside. And what it was, there was a disconnect. I had a disconnect from God. Um, and so what my, my addiction drove me to was isolation. You know, as human beings, we, we crave community. We, we crave to be together. Um, that's what God wanted us to do. And, and, and my disease drove me to isolation. And that's what temptation did, does for a lot of people, is they drive them to isolation because we believe that we have this idea that we're in control and that we're self-reliant. And that, yes, we know we're doing something wrong, but uh, we cannot stop. But, but the, the illusion is that we don't want to stop. You know, we, we, we can stop whenever we want, but we don't want to stop right now. We're okay where we're at. You know, we, uh, we think that we're coping with life. You know, whether, it's, whether your temptation or addiction is working too much, uh, whether it's, uh, 
you know, pornography or sex or anything like that, uh, or from my, in my instance, drugs and alcohol, the escape of reality, we, we think we're, we're coping with life. And I thought I was coping with life. I thought I was coping with um, what was going on around me. Um, you know, I, I started getting arrested. I started having consequences uh, to my actions. Uh, my father had to bail me out of jail several times. Um, and I'm sure he came in and prayed with the leadership here several times for me. You know, I tried going to doctors. I tried coming to church. I tried doing all these different types of things. But again, it's what I was trying to do. I was trying to fix me. I was trying to say that, you know, I can't stop doing these things. You know, um, my, my father came and moved me out of my house. And I, I came back to church one day, and I hadn't slept in a month. I hadn't eaten anything in a month. Um... And people are like, oh, yeah, you look so good. You've lost a lot of weight. And I'm like, yeah, because I haven't eaten in a month. Um, it's okay. You can laugh now. I, I can laugh at it now. Um, but, and I tried everything. I absolutely tried everything. I tried prayer. I tried these things. But, again, there was no acceptance. I couldn't tolerate my life until I accepted and surrendered the fact that I could not do anything about it. I was too far. I had made so many choices that it controlled me. It told me when to go to work, when to eat, when to sleep, when to make love to my wife. Told me when to do these things. And until I surrendered my self-reliance, my, my, my self-centeredness, to God and to realize that I'm fighting a fight that was already won. You know, I was fighting a fight that I was trying to beat something that had already been beaten. And I just had to accept it. I had to accept the fact that I'm a sinner. I do these things. But what stops me from doing it is the fact that the, that God and Jesus Christ were able, you know, Jesus died on the cross for my sins and for everybody's sins. And I had to accept that. I had to accept the fact that I couldn't do this on my own. It's not the fact that I wanted to die. It's the fact that I didn't know how to live. And I learned how to live through God and Jesus Christ. And on January 1st, 2009, I had not had a drink or a drug since then. So that's five and a half years. And my father was able to spend five and a half years with me, clean. He got his son back. Dad died after a three-year battle of cancer. And um, to show the... Uh, Progression. Uh, I gave him a coin that uh, my 12-step group, I go to 12-step meetings, my 12-step group gives me every year that I, I make a, uh, another year clean and sober. And uh, I gave him that coin, and I call it, it's called a hope chip. And it says, I hope you get to four years. And he took that coin everywhere he went. Um, he was able to tell people what God had done uh, for me 
and for him because he told me uh, last year or, or this year in January that he would lay awake at night and wonder if he was going to get the call that I was going to be dead. He was worried for that. Um, but he knew to, you know, that day that he didn't have to worry about me anymore. You know, people worry about the people. You may think you're only affecting yourself, right, with your temptation. It's only affecting me. But it doesn't. It affects everyone around you. It affects your family. It affects your friends. It affects everyone. You know, those are the lies that I tell myself. I told myself. I told myself that I'm only hurting myself. You know, but I wasn't. I was hurting everyone around me. And I needed to realize that. Um, And so, uh, you know, he passed away at the end of June. And uh, he wasn't worried about me anymore. And I was able to, to, to have this, those five years where I didn't think about myself. I didn't think about where I was going to get drugs on family vacations. I didn't think about any of that. I thought about what can I do to spend time with him. I started, you know, because I believe that humility is a huge part of this. You know, I've got to be able to ask for help. I'm powerless over this. I'm this far away. You know, John was saying, you know, that one more. For me, one is too many, but a thousand is never enough. Because once I get that one, I don't stop because I'm a sinner. But But I have the love of Jesus Christ, and God, um, I believe, that will put someone in your life that only you can help with your experiences, the things that you go through. Um... And I believe that to the, to the utmost. And so I try to live uh, with acceptance and surrender and hope and faith uh, and courage that I can get through the day without having to put drugs or alcohol into my body. And I know that I, pro- I may have hurt some people uh, that, that may still be here. And I may have hurt, hurt you. Um, and I take ownership of that. That's another thing is I take ownership. I did these things. Not the drugs, not my job, not the situation, not my parents, not school, not homework, or any of that. I take ownership. I did these things. I made the choice to do these things. Now, further on, I wasn't making any choices because it was completely controlling me. But today I have a choice today. God gave me that choice back today. And I choose today to not put any drugs or alcohol into my body. Thank you for letting me share. Don't go go anywhere yet. I want to tell a quick story on you that I heard. Okay. um, And and it's a good one. Um, I know you'd you'd mentioned that school was not a big deal for you. It wasn't a good thing. Um, But you you went back to college. I'm in college now. You're in college now. Finished your first class. Mm -hmm. And what's your GPA right now? Uh, I got an A. So it's a 4.0. So that's awesome. And I know one of the things he said, I wish my dad was was able to get to see that because his dad had passed away before he got his final grade. But um, I just want to pray with you real quick before you go because I know there's a battle going on and and you fight it every day. And and I'm excited that you're – it does my heart good to see you fight it.
and not to give in to it. And that, so, Father God, I thank you for, for Matt. Um, you've worked and done so much. You've allowed so many things to happen. And you've kept him safe and whole uh, as he's lived his life. And, and in these last five years, as he's given himself back to you, I pray that you will just continue to envelop him uh, with your spirit, with your guidance, with your wisdom, with, with people for accountability so that the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 50 years, he can continue to be a reflection of you and to pour himself out in the community for you. And I just uh, ask that you be with him as he continues with school, uh, that he can, he can stay focused, he can do those things with his job. I pray that you'll bless his family as well, Lord. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, brother. Um, lost my place. Thanks a lot. Got me all... <laughs> Here we go. Here's the thing. Like Matt said, we can only do this when we draw on the good and perfect gifts that God gives to us. Like the gift of common sense. Everybody has it. And I mean, let's, let's be real. You know when you've crossed that line. I, I appreciate what you said. One is too many and a thousand is never enough. We know when we've crossed that line. We all do. You know how far is too far in your dating relationships. You know how much is too much when you go out for your social drink. The truth is we all know what tempts us before we ever leave the house. And still, we try to see how close we can get to it without getting any of it on us. When the Bible says we should flee from it. But God, instead of leading us to evil, God provides what we need to live righteously. He provides what we need to resist temptation. James 1, 17 through 18 tells us three things that we need to fight temptation with. He says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Verse 18. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The first thing we need to fight temptation is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Too many of us think, and, and even Christians, we, we just get, we get, we get adjusted, we get comfortable. And we, we think, you know, I'm okay. But then we get to this place where we think we're helpless to resist temptation. But I want you to know, as a child of God, the power of Christ in you gives you victory over sin. The battle's already been fought. It's already been won. As a Christian, you are called to be holy and blameless because you are a child of God. You can successfully resist temptation. When Jesus Christ takes up residency in your life and he empowers you by his Holy Spirit, you can resist temptation. Maybe you need to repent and truly call on God's power to live like a Christ follower. Maybe that's what you need. The next thing we need is we need God's word. It does no good just carrying it around. Or setting it on the table. Or showing it to people. We need to know God's word. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, he used scripture to respond to the pressures of temptation. And my thought is, if Jesus, who is God, referred back to scripture to resist Satan and temptation, how much more should we? What better way to overcome the pressures of temptation and to experience God through temptation than to repeat and obey the word of the one who made us and knows us better than we know ourselves. When we memorize God's word, when we hide it in our hearts, it gives us the ability to give the right answer at the right time. It's like having a getaway plan before the temptation ever gets here. And when we feel the pressures of temptation, God's word becomes our best defense. Finally, we need an escape route. 
One of God's greatest gifts is the promise from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God will provide a way of escape. Do you believe that God will provide a way of escape? I hope so. He will provide a way of escape. He will help us stand up to any temptation that we face. Our God, the creator and sustainer of life, the creator of the universe, the one who knows everything and everyone, promises to provide each and every one of us with the ability to resist the pressure of temptation. His escape route may be something as simple as a telephone ringing to interrupt a moment. It may be a whisper in your conscience. It may be a friend keeping you accountable. I say, I say very whimsically a lot, nobody likes accountability. And it's true, we don't. Nobody likes accountability. I don't like it when somebody tells me I did something wrong because it happens so rarely in my life. <laughs> the Kidding, I get that conversation a lot. Stop looking at me like that. <laughs> we don't like accountability, but we need it. That's what pushes us on to be a better reflection of Jesus Christ is accountability, is living life together, is, is, is me not being able to slip through the cracks. And the same for you. His escape route, I don't know what it is for you, but God does not stop us. Experiencing God through the pressures of temptation requires the final action to come from us. He's going to give us the way out, but He's not going to stop us. The final action comes from you. In order to do this, you must be fully participating and willing to honor God no matter what is going on around you. Because the pressure of temptation is great, but our God is much, much greater than that. And He's provided us with all we need to resist these pressures of temptation and to experience His grace and His mercy while we're doing it. So how about you? Are you ready to experience God through the pressures of temptation? What do you need to do in order for that to be a reality in your life? As we come to our response time, maybe the first step for you is to repent and confess and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've done that and you're a Christian and you're thinking, but, but I've been messing up left and right lately with temptation and it's just, it's taking me down. Now's the time for you to repent and rededicate. Maybe you do need prayer and accountability for a particular temptation that has just become bigger than you. The elders are here. We have a place for you to pray and talk with them privately. Maybe you want to partner with us here at Huntsville Christian Church and, and build your network of accountability and be a part of impacting our community with us. Whatever your response is today, don't leave here fighting a temptation alone. Look around. Go ahead. You can look at each other now. I know earlier I said don't, but, but look around. No one is alone here. You are not fighting that temptation alone unless you choose to. Whatever your response is, don't leave here fighting your temptation alone. All of us came here with at least one temptation. Remember, we set them loose at the beginning of the message. You guys shared them. They've been flopping around like a fish out of water. And now as we come to our response time, don't pick it back up. Don't pick that temptation back up. Don't leave here with it. Leave it at the foot of the cross. Normally, this is a time when I would say something like, please stand and sing with us. But I'm not saying that today. I want you to sit. Because the song that we're singing for our response time, uh, whether you know it or not, uh, is an amazing song. I just want to encourage you to, to hear the words of this song. 
with, with the scriptures that I've shared, with the things that I've shared, with, with what Matt's shared, reflect on all these things during our response time. And while they're playing and singing, please respond accordingly. It's, it's more than just a response of walking forward with some kind of a decision. It's a response that says it's time to walk away from the temptation that is holding you back. As, as they sing this song this morning, I want you to meditate on what you've heard. Now, respond as you led. We've got a place, like I said, where you can go and just pray and, and have quiet. But don't carry this temptation around any longer.